our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of A Forever Family, but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change podcast. Well, everybody, it's another Tuesday and it is time for Fostering Change. You know, this month is such an amazing month for so many different reasons. You know, for my family, um, for my husband and I, it's, um, it's the month we celebrate pride. We celebrate pride every single month, but this month we really get to talk about it. You know, since my kids are very young, we have traveled the country and we have gone to many pride festivals. And the reason the reason that we take our children to Pride Festivals is because we want our kids to see other families like them, you know, and we think it's really important. You know, I always have people come up to me and ask me, oh, what do you guys do about Father's Day? You have two, they have two dads. Well, guess what? They get the best, of best, the best of both worlds. We both get to celebrate Father's Day in our home. And so I'm so excited to have my friend Matthew Everett here. As you know, he is the co, the, and correct me if I'm right with this, Matthew, but you're actually the co-creator and the executive producer of World of Dance. And I want to throw this out there with Jennifer Lopez on NBC. That's right. Yes. That is so amazing. And you're a father of two. That's correct. Yeah. Very you know, I, I wanted, there's so many things I want to get into, but the first thing I want to talk about is being a dad. You know, um, for me, it was one of the greatest gifts um, to become a father. I will never forget the very first time my daughter looked at me and my, my family was built a lot different than a lot of families. I built my family through foster care. And so my children arrived at a little older age. And so my daughter was about five um, when she looked at me and she said, I want to call you daddy. And I will <laughs> never forget that moment. I remember where we were sitting. I remember what she was wearing. I remember that like if it was yesterday. And by the way, my sweet girl is going to be 17 in a couple of weeks. But I remember that moment. Um, what was it like for you when you became a dad? Yeah, I uh, definitely. So I have two kids. My son, Ethan, is uh, just finished his freshman year of high school, uh, actually, and college. He's uh, 15. And then my daughter just uh, finished her first year of middle school. She's 12. Um, and yeah, I um, I was really excited to be a dad when Ethan was born. I remember thinking this is way more work uh, than I had imagined. <laughs> um, I couldn't uh, possibly fathom how someone could have twins or triplets um, and be able to to manage that because it was it was challenging. You know, being a professional, someone who loves the work that I do and you know, I put a lot of my heart into that and, um, you know, really enjoyed that. Still being a dad is the ultimate joy and really the ultimate reward. And so, in fact, I think, you know, that's when I first reached out to you was after I had seen the dad's documentary and just, it was so touching and hearing your story and others 
uh, just really made me feel um, inspired as a dad and want to do more uh, as a dad to help other dads and other parents kind of connect with their kids. Yeah, you know, I, I do think that we need more of a platform for us to connect with our kids. Um, you know, for me, uh, I'm in my 50s, I'm going to be 55 this year, and, and we didn't have all the video games and all the things that disconnected us as parents um, to our parents. But now we see that more and more where there's such a disconnect and um, trying to do everything we can to how we can bring that back which gets me into the question of the world of dance. And I have to tell you, so Matthew, um, I have, as I, five kids and my oldest son is 20. Um, I have a 16 year old daughter and then I have two boys that are 14, they're three months apart. And then I also have a 12 year old, so I know what that's like. But over the weekend, my daughter um, came to me and she's like, dad, um, I'd like to have some of my girlfriends come over and swim and spend the night. And I was like, okay. Um, and so sure enough, she, these three girls come over. Well, let me tell you something. They were dancing like you would not believe. And they were like, dad, do you, do you know how to dance? And it was just like, it made me think of you because I knew we were doing this interview. And so I proceeded to start dancing with my daughter. And I started realizing that even though we have so many things that are different, um, even some of the music that we listen to, which is different, there's still so much we have together when it comes to dance. Do you yeah. know that as well? Yeah. And, and I think um, the platforms like TikTok have kind of normalized and made it easier for men and dads and people who otherwise were maybe more uncomfortable kind of coming out of their shell and, and dancing it's been, you know, something that has uh, helped them connect with their kids because, it's, you know, that, that platform has been so popular. Um, I, I had a conversation with um, a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan Matter, who's a um, really successful YouTuber and influencer um, about dance and his platform and our platform a while back. And, you know, the reality is in today's world, all of these kids are, you know, they'll listen to us. Um, they'll, they'll take their advice from us, but they're spending so much time listening to influencers on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and these other platforms. It's hard sometimes to compete with them. And so we've really been trying to think about how do we use these platforms to be able to connect with those kids. And, you know, it, one way we have, you know, kind of decided is a, a possible path is help the influencers share the messages that we think kids need to hear. Yeah, I absolutely love that because you're exactly right. I mean, just last night, my 12 year old came into the room and he was proceeding to tell Reese and I a story that he had written, had heard on TikTok. Now, the story wasn't um, as accurate as I would have liked for it to have been, but it was truly showing me that that is where he's getting his news. That is where he's getting his current events. That's where he is learning what is truly going on within our world, our country and within our state. Yeah. And I do believe that once you get to a level, even though I think all of us should lead by example, but there is a certain level that once you get to that, you have to realize that you are an influencer. And as yeah. an influencer, you need to bring a good to within our, our, our children, because yeah. our children are not going to, you know, the thing gets me, they're not going to stop watching TikTok. 
Okay, it's not going to happen. They're not going to stop going on to Instagram. It's not going to happen. So I, I, I love your idea. What, what made you think about doing that? Yeah, well, I mean, just as a dad and you know, wanting to help my kids uh, grow up ha happy and healthy and, um, and to be able to thrive and trying to figure out how do you get through to them? Um, I was actually having a conversation with my son just the other day, and he, he told me that he gets most of his news now from TikTok, which I had never heard from anyone. And it is pretty astounding just how much information they're getting from these social platforms. And so, number one, we need to make sure that you know, we raise critical thinkers because they're getting so much information and they need to know how to distill truth from fiction and to be thinking critically about the information they're you know, receiving. Um, but two, we need to work with the influencers that are uh, understanding how accountable they need to be uh, to delivering positive and um, you know, truthful messaging um, to help them deliver those messages. And I think you know, uh, platforms like World of Dance, where, you know, we're reaching a lot of kids, um, it's a, absolutely an opportunity to do those things. We also feel like it's an obligation. And, you know, those who have platforms and have influence, and I think there are a lot of young people who really realize that, you know, they do uh, touch a lot of people and have um, the opportunity to um, either help to inspire and put a, a kid on a good path, um, you know, or, the opposite and you know who really want to make sure that they're responsible so for those that do feel that way you know i think you know we got to find them and we got to help um you know them get the the right message out there yeah i agree with you 100 percent. and i and i do believe that there are some really good influencers out there who do truly do care and they they are concerned about how the message is delivered and you know for you to say that you know your your son gets the majority of his news I, my kids are the same exact way i mean if you were to poll my five children all but one of them would say that the information that they obtain is through TikTok. um yeah or some type of social media platform, yeah. um, which again, nobody's sitting down watching the six o'clock news with daddy. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I back in the day when that was what was on the TV and everybody was there tuned in, um, we have to find a different way. And I love the fact that you're looking into that. So I've got to ask the question, um, have you ran that by um, Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> um, not by uh, Jennifer uh, or her team, but um, we have been talking about this idea of um, how can we bring dads together um, with influencers to change lives for kids. And so I think that that project um, is, for me, uh, something I'm really passionate about. Um, I actually started conversations with Jordan about creating a book or some form of influential tech enabled um, piece of literature that kids could hang up on a wall um, or somewhere where they could use their phone and augmented reality and bring to life a photo of an influencer who has something fun um, to say, a dance to share, a message, you know, to inspire. Um, and then it kind of morphed into how can we, you know, create a television format out of it. And so uh, there's some interesting, uh, you know, discussions that we're having with a couple production companies about doing that. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, some point uh, when the world kind of gets back to normal, uh, we'll be able to put one of those into uh, actual production. Yeah, you know, I will tell you, I, I love the idea. I remember when when Bryce Howard came to us to do the dad's documentary. Um, first of all, to have Bryce Howard come to you is shocking as it is. But, you know, what she really wanted to do was tell the story of dad. She said, yeah. um, I remember her saying, Teresa and I, is that she just felt like everything was always about the mom, the mom, the mom, which is, you know, fine. But in, in 2020 or in 2019, when we actually filmed the show with, uh, with Bryce, you know, th there were no shows out there um, when it came to talking about dads. And I think that people think that, you know, we take such a back seat and a lot of times, you know, that is not the case. I mean, I yeah, can see my family, you know, not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I, first of all, I mean, that that documentary was uh, really, um, I think, amazing. And I think there aren't enough shows that are helping to make dads feel um, like being a dad is cool. It is um, uh, stay at home dads are cool. Um, they have needs too, just like stay at home moms, you know, and how do we support and uh, nurture and encourage that, um, you know, for sure. I, and, you know, I, th there's a conversation uh, we've been having with a company that has a project that is about helping to uh, get men to um, uh, feel like they can be more forthcoming and uh, open up more with other guys and that that's a good thing and that we all need to do that. And um, so there, there are some great projects out there. I will say when I asked my daughter, would she watch a show that was about dads doing, you know, whatever, she said, no, probably not dad. So <laughs> I thought, okay, well, the objective of this is to reach the kids. And so it's got to, we have to, we have to figure out a way for dads to be a part of it, for families to enjoy being able to sit around the television uh, and watching this, getting something out of it. Um, but at the same time, the kids feeling like there's a hero there that they want uh, to be able to learn from and be like, and um, it's it may it may be the dads in some episodes. Um, it may not. It may, uh, and I think that the connection to influencers, you know, is. Um, I think wonderful. that's going to be the key, the key to connect. But I will tell you, you know, sitting around the TV and watching shows, um, one of the shows and it just, you know, that that my family happens to watch um, and we were sad when they stopped was um, Modern Family. And that, that was, was all show. because yeah. my kids loved seeing the role of a stay at home dad. See, yeah. my husband is a stay at home dad, hardest job in the world. I have no idea how he does it. Um, you know, five kids in five different schools um, and during the pandemic, um, you know, I, I would say to him when I would come home from work is, you know, I, my my job ended, you know, at eight o'clock and he's still doing laundry at nine o'clock at night while I'm catching up with the mail and, and stuff, you know. Listen, um, we're going to take a quick break, um, Matthew, and come back because I definitely have some more questions. Listen, everybody, um, I, I cannot thank you all enough for tuning in to this season of Fostering Change. It has been an amazing journey. We have had some amazing guests on. You know, the fact that this is Pride Month, it's Father's Day Month, 
you know, it's time to celebrate each and every one. And how you can celebrate us is by sharing our podcast. Whether you're listening to us on Apple or Google, or maybe you subscribed and you're actually watching us on your YouTube channel, we really would love for you to leave a comment. And if you happen to be a guest or you know somebody that would want to be a guest on Fostering Change, you can always email me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Well, welcome back to Fostering Change. And the first half has been so exciting. You know, as I said, it is June and it's Father's Day month. And um, in our family, um, we don't just take one day. We take the whole entire month, except for the weekend of the 17th with my beautiful daughter's birthday. Um, So she gets an entire week. But other than that, my husband and I take all of that. I'm so happy to have my friend, Matthew Everett here. He is the co-creator and executive producer of World of Dance with Jennifer Lopez on NBC. Now, pandemics made a lot of changes for you, Matthew. Um, Explain to me how, when this hit you in March um, and started seeing things shutting down, how how did you guys react? Yeah, um, it was an interesting week. We were in the last week of filming for season four. Um, We had a, we were producing uh, the majority of the in-game entertainment for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, we had a big game on, it was March 14th on a Saturday, I remember. And so there's a lot of things happening that week. We were calling people because some people were saying, I don't know if I want to fly to Dallas for this game. And we were talking to NBC and production and like, do we, you know, what are we going to do? Is things, are things going to shut down? Um, and fortunately, we were able to finish uh, production, although the last episode was filmed um, without a live audience, which is the first time that we've ever done that. Um, very skeleton crew. Um, we were, the Dallas Mavericks um, had waited to see what would happen. And I think it was the Golden State Warriors uh, were the first to say that they were planning to play in front of a, a, an empty arena. And then there were a couple of NBA players who tested positive. Um, and then the NBA season was basically put on hold. And, and so at, at that point, Fortunately, we had finished production uh, for season four of the television show, but all of our live entertainment, you know, has has been on hold since that day. And, um, you know, our we have events in 25 countries all on hold, um, big tours um, that we do uh, all on hold, all the work we were doing, you know, with uh, the Dallas Mavericks and others um, all on hold. And so... Um, that's been unfortunate. And I really think about everyone, not just in the dance industry, um, but in the events industry and hospitality and inter- live entertainment, uh, you know, who have been, you know, impacted really severely during this time. Um, and, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, we're, it seems like we're on the right track to getting better and getting things to open up again, but uh, it's been a tough time for a lot of folks in those, in those fields. 
Yeah, I, I really worry about, you know, I, the entertainment industry to me is it's such the heartbeat of our community. Um, you know, I, I was lucky. I was a kid that grew up where, you know, you could take choir and you could take theater and, and it was really such the heartbeat of the school for the school play. And, and, and I see that falling to the wayside and I'm, I'm was concerned as the pandemic is so many of my friends who are in the entertainment industry, you know, are out of work and they're sitting at home and, you know, um, but I do hope that we're turning the curve and I hope that we're starting to see things pick up. You know, when when you knew things were shutting down, um, one of the things I'd like to know is how is that conversation with your children? Um, you know, how is that conversation as a dad to your children on something which, by the way, you had no idea what it was going to be like. You know, I, I remind people all the time, it's like a child who comes into foster care. You know, they they experience a pandemic every single day um, because they don't know what tomorrow brings. Um, so how was that conversation when you sat down, you know, Ethan and your daughter and said, you know, what's this is what's going on? Or did they learn it through TikTok? <laughs> Um, you know, you know, um, I, I, I can't remember when schools were shut down, but it was pretty close to around then um, where everyone was told to come and um, stay at home. And at first it was because none of us had experience as uh, parents. Um, we've never grown up having to uh, learn what to do in a situation like this. So it was um it was unreal. It was it was strange to to even process as an adult um, how to handle it. But um, I have always just felt like uh, when you have your family together and you know you're able to um, be there for each other, um, things will be fine. And so you know my parents live close by, and so it's just you know checking on them and um, having you know uh, my kids and wife you know in uh, the home and and figuring out. Um, what do we do as a family to to get through this? And you know, as a as a business owner and someone who's responsible for a lot of livelihoods, you know, with um, you know the businesses that we operate, um, you know, we uh, sit down with them and we we first figure out what do we need to do to um, plan for the immediate uh, uh, outcomes or the immediate consequences from this, and and then as time goes by, it becomes about reinvention and reimagination and you know this is a, a great time for us to rethink those ideas that we had kind of put off that we didn't have time to work on or that we didn't think were right for right now and we can take some different kinds of risks and so you know you learn to find silver linings um, as long as you have health right as long as your family has health and uh, that's number one but um, you know I think that that's really what we spent the majority of our time trying to do and I, a lot of uh, a lot of businesses have been able to thrive because of the pandemic, and I think you know there are lessons to be learned from that. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that, and and I, I have to ask you: it, is your is your wife a stay at home mom? She teaches preschool, and oh, so she's so been like triple masking it, um, and it's been quite uh, an ordeal for her to um, continue to teach because they they shut down for a very short period and then reopened. Really? Um, yeah, and have been open pretty much the entire time. So um, she was definitely a frontline worker. I I mean, I, 
I mean, our preschools and where I live, I mean, they, they didn't open long ago. And so um, it's, you know, for her to be out there so other people could work, which, by the way, you know, is, is so needed. Um, you know, you think about, you know, the doctors and the nurses and, and all of our frontline workers who do have kids and they need to get into work, you know, who watches their kids. So so all of a sudden you had to you had to pivot and you had to start doing this um, virtual learning. Um, I, I really so for, for our family, uh, half of my kids loved it. Um, the other half of my kids nightmare. So, you know, um, are your kids back in school now? Um, they're not. They just finished school maybe a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, so they're on summer break. Um, they both did distance learning the entire time. Um, and I think they both did pretty well. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to work from home. So um, I'm around. Um, we're very fortunate that we have good internet and, you know, they are very tech savvy. They have good computers they were able to get through this, I think, just fine. But I am very concerned about a lot of folks who didn't have the things that are necessary, someone to help support and teach them and um, troubleshoot with them or good enough technology or good enough internet. Um, you know, definitely very concerned about those folks who I would imagine have really fallen behind because of this. Yeah, see, so you you're, you you think a lot like I do. There's literally nights I stay up at night and, and you know, I, I think about my kids, but my kids are like your kids. They have really good computers. They have the best yeah. internet service. They have each other and they're all in yeah. such different grade levels, you know, even my freshman in college, you know, but I do think about the boys and girls who are in areas where the internet is, you know, so spotty and, you know, did we do a disservice or, you know, by just giving what I would say as a break year, um, you know, as much as, you know, people might, and I know I'm going to get all the emails and everybody's going to email me about it, but, you know, taking that year um, or are we going to continuously play catch up? And then what I'm concerned with, and again, not being political at all, but I feel then we still keep doing this divide of wealth and non-wealth. Yeah. And, and, and I really, I, I believe that because I know, for instance, in our home, if my, if my daughter, you know, who's, who's going to be a senior next year, if she had fallen so behind her, her dad and I would hire a tutor and the tutor would come in and tutor her all summer. And she, by the time some, she starts back in September, she's at back on So many kids, I, I think, are, you know, I, I think we're forgetting about that. Yeah. I, we won't, probably know the impacts for a long time right on this generation that had to go through this and who lost a year of um you know productive schooling so um you know i, it, I <clears throat> there have been a lot of interesting things that have happened i think because of the pandemic um you know i've been really passionate about education especially in the arts um and i think the whole um uh, acceleration of virtual learning. <clears throat> I think there's some exceptional things that are happening um, in that world that, you know, much higher adoption now because people were forced to try things. Um, and I think much more democratized access to a lot of that edu education than has ever been. 
Um, so that stuff is good. I think even just challenging the education models and what is good for us in terms of uh, a learning objective or a learning outcome and not being so rigid that everything has to be taught in one specific way, one specific format, you know, um, all kids taught the same way. I think there are some interesting things that have happened that hopefully, um, again, you know, the, the kids who went through this, they, they, they were guinea pigs for some of that. And, you know, the, the, um, it, it's unfortunate, but, um, but we also have to learn from it. And so how do we do that? And how do we, hopefully, uh, should anything like this happen again, you know, we're much more prepared and, you know, we can help keep our kids, you know, thriving and on the right well, path. I just hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime. I just want <laughs> you to know that much. I truly do. I just hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime. You know, Matthew, I, I want to I want to tell you, as I was doing research to interview you, one of the things that I did was I, I really surfed the net on dance. And and the one thing that I, I realized is no matter what country that I looked in dance at, um, you know, it was almost like the common language, you know, and an example is, you know, I have, I have a, each one of my kids, you know, in like your children, um, they're required to take so many years of foreign language, um, you know, to pass high school. So, you know, I have a son who's taken Chinese, I have a daughter who does American Sign Language, another Spanish. Um, but when it comes to dance, um, I, I realize that dance is such a, it's, it's a common language. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not a dancer, um, still not a dancer, uh, but my father was an artist. And when I was growing up, he wanted to make a living doing what he loves. And that was, he loved illustrating, he loved art glass. And so I remember it was actually, it'll be 40 years um, this year that he started his art class business. It was 1981. And so I was four years old and he, um, they, I remember they inherited a very small amount of money that they were able to use to start this business and right when they were getting to the end of this, uh, the amount of money that they had, um, business started to pick up. And he has been able to, ever since then, um, provide for his family as an artist. And that, that whole process and just watching that, seeing that as a kid growing up around my dad and having him teach me about um, the amazing things that you know, artists get to do and um, how you know, excited people are to see the work that he creates and how art can shape the way that you know society looks at things art is so important that you know we support that and we um, nurture that in local communities uh, around the world and dance of course um, is an incredible platform dancers are amazing artists but they're also extremely athletic um, it's going to be in the olympics for the first time in 2024 uh, it's a great platform to bring people together. The first time I went to a World of Dance event, um, I remember uh, most of the, the folks that attend World of Dance events, I'd say are between the ages of 13 and early 20s. Um, very few parents at the events. It's mostly just the kids. And it is all races, backgrounds, male, female, gay, straight, everything skinny, 
like that everything that you can imagine is uh, part of this melting pot of America. They're all coming to these dance events. They're all smiling. They're all linking arms. They're all, you know, uh, just so excited to support each other. And that's, that's a really beautiful thing that dance can do. And so how, I, I mean, for me, it's been, how do we use that um, and use the platform that we've built to bring more people together and to hopefully make, you know, an impact on not just local communities, but connect the global dance community uh, to, you know, get more people doing this and, and more people, you know, finding common ground and, um, and at a time when we really need it. Yeah, and I was going to say, there's never been a time more than we we really need it. Um, you know, as we're we're closing up here, a couple of quick things. Um, you've got a you got a studio that's opening up in Tokyo in July. Yes. So, and speaking of that project, you know, we really um, were excited about this idea of helping to create more jobs for dancers, helping to bring more technology into studios to connect the studios to um, folks to be able to allow them to take classes from home. Um, and so we decided we would experiment with some flagship studios um, around the world. And so the first one's going to be opening up uh, in Tokyo uh, with an incredible partner there uh, later this summer, hopefully July. Uh, unfortunately, Tokyo is uh, suffering a little bit from uh, some increased uh, COVID cases right now. But um, we're really excited to have that um, open up and, you know, be able to use the World of Dance brand to, you know, drive um dancers of all ages into the studio to take classes and then to be able to stream those classes uh, to folks who want to take them from home in Japan and around the world. I love that idea. I love that. So then go to worldofdance.com and find out all that information. That's right. That's awesome. So listen, Matthew, I got a question from one dad to the next. Okay. What are you going to do on Father's Day? Uh, so Father's Day, when I was born, it was on Father's Day. And so I have my birthday and Father's Day usually within a day or two, sometimes on the same day. Um, this year, my birthday is on Saturday. Father's Day is on Sunday. Um, so it's, uh, it's always a special weekend for me. And um, my kids do an incredible job in making me feel special. And um, I'll, of course, always uh, go and see my dad and spend quality time with him and make sure he knows how much I appreciate um, everything that he's done for me and, um, you know, just being around family. That's what it's all about. So your birthday is June 17th. June 19th. June 19th. Okay. So my, you and my daughter, my daughter's June 17th. So every time it falls on father's day, it is her day, even though it's ours. So listen, <laughs> Matthew, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for enlightening us. Thank you for all that you do for all the people that, you know, really, um, for me, it's about the arts and bringing it out and how comfortable it is for people to be able to dance. And as you said, the, anyone can dance, okay? Maybe you and I aren't the best dancers, but any one of us can dance. Listen, all of you can go worldofdance.com, find out more information. Hopefully season five, we'll be see coming sooner than later. I'd love to have you back on, Matthew, once we start finding a date for season five. And to all our listeners, 
you know, we all have an opportunity to change. We all have an opportunity to change our world. We have an opportunity to change the way we think. And I truly do believe that if you would open up your heart and maybe just shake just a little, um, you would be surprised how much dance can make your heart smile. And to me, it's all about making your heart smile. So each and every one of you, I hope you all have an amazing day. Please make sure you share our podcast. For those of you who are subscribing on our YouTube channel, tell your friends about it. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear what you think. And again, Matthew, happy Father's Day, my friend. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. Check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. And I know some of you have a question, and I know some of you would love to be a guest. Please personally reach out to me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. That's fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Then do me a big favor. Please help spread the word. Share this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family. Remember, I say this quite often, we're all part of the same community. And that community, it's not our zip code, but our human race. Let's all make a difference.